This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening in. Last week, close to 200 nations got together and they crafted a formal agreement to combat climate change. Now, I'm not going to get into the wisdom of that agreement here. I think it's pretty well covered in my five previous podcasts. They are, do you even science, bro? Words have meaning climate edition. The models are wrong. Rejecting the null and how climate works. I encourage you, go back and listen to those if you haven't already, and and share those around with your friends. There's a lot of information in those podcasts that more people need to hear, so please share that around. I would appreciate that. This podcast, I'm going to talk about the word treaty. It's an important word. It's mentioned in the Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, second paragraph. Here's the quote. Talking about the president, He shall have power by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties, provided two-thirds of the senators present concur. All right? So what's a treaty? Well, remember, words have meaning. Here's the definition. One, a formal agreement between two or more states in reference to peace, alliance, commerce, or other international relations. So, why doesn't this Paris Agreement, which is a formal agreement between two or more states in reference to commerce and other international relations, have to be ratified by two-thirds of the Senate as required by the Constitution? Because the administration is playing some word games here. Listen to Secretary of State John Kerry. But one of the reasons why there's no enforcement mechanism is because the United States Congress would never accept one. So it has to be voluntary. And a lot of nations resent that, but we have accepted that. They knew they couldn't get it through the Senate. So they forced other nations to use language that would avoid the process that was designed by the founders of our country. They've been playing this game with language for a while now. The climate agreement isn't the first time. For instance, the nuclear agreement with Iran was not a treaty. It was an agreement, one that most Americans opposed. That agreement was was passed because the Senate couldn't get enough support to filibuster the deal. You see, by turning a treaty into an agreement, you go from having two out of every three senators approving the deal to pass it to having six out of ten oppose it to stop it. Basically, you flip the intent of the Constitution as it was written upside down. Now, this issue of treaty versus agreement isn't Barack Obama's fault. He's not the first president to do this. This goes all the way back to George W., not Bush, Washington. In 1791, the first year of Washington's presidency, his secretary of state, a man named Thomas Jefferson, you may have heard of him, he wrote, quote, it is desirable in many instances to exchange mutual advantages by legislative acts rather than by treaty. Because when they become too inconvenient can be dropped at the will of either party, whereas stipulations by treaty are forever. So an international agreement that is passed as a bill through Congress, just like any other law, legislative acts, as Jefferson put it, are done that way because they are purposefully temporary. They can simply be undone by a future Congress and president. 
but a treaty is binding beyond a single government administration or a single Congress. As Jefferson said, it's forever. Now, that doesn't explain to me why the Iran deal was an agreement rather than a treaty. We gave them their money back. If they violate the agreement, they will still have their money. It seems to me we are binding future presidents and Congresses to the deal Obama crafted with our enemies. I still think that should have been a treaty, but I understand why the climate deal is an agreement. It has passages in it that allow nations to withdraw after a few years. A, a future U.S. government doesn't have to abide by the agreement Obama and Kerry and Al Gore crafted, and I think that's a good thing. Now, a treaty that is done through legislation rather than senatorial ratification is called a Congressional Executive Agreement. They, they have to cover topics and powers that are expressly given to Congress and not to the states. So a congressional executive agreement couldn't set speed limits in states, for example, but it could cover things like selling health care uh, across state or national lines. There is a third type of international treaty called a sole executive agreement. These don't require Congress to sign off at all. Only the president has to agree, but they have to be limited to powers expressly given to the president. So, for example, since the president is the commander-in-chief of the military, a status of a forces agreement, like the one Obama failed to make with the Iraqi government, that would have been a sole executive agreement, and it wouldn't have needed approval from Congress. This is where the future process of the climate agreement is in question for me. Remember what Kerry said in that soundbite. They purposefully crafted the agreement to avoid the United States Congress. The only way they can actually do that is if this is a sole executive agreement. Now, since the process of cutting down on the use of fossil fuels deals with interstate commerce, the president should try to get this deal passed through legislative action. I don't think there's any way he's going to succeed at that. The Republican Congress wouldn't agree to cutting, or at least shouldn't agree, to cutting our ability to grow our economy for the sake of third world nations, to raise electric bills for Americans to give money to dictators. He can try. The Republican Congress shouldn't pass it. So that means the only option left for Mr. Obama is executive order, or rather regulations by the EPA, making this a sole executive agreement. I believe, and the president's previous behavior suggests, he will use the EPA to create more regulations and more restrictions on the coal industry specifically here in America to fulfill the obligations he made in Paris. And make no mistake about it, those powers are well outside the EPA's authority. Here's the EPA's own mission statement. The mission of the EPA is to protect human health and the environment, air, water, and land. I support that mission. But carbon dioxide is not a threat to human health any more than water vapor is. It is not a threat to the environment. Indeed, plant life would benefit from much higher concentrations of carbon dioxide than we currently experience. The EPA regulates carbon dioxide as part of the Clean Air Act, and the Supreme Court has ruled that the EPA can regulate anything that is actually a pollutant. But carbon dioxide isn't a pollutant any more than, again, water vapor is. 
As I've pointed out in the previous five podcasts, the so-called science that underlies the entire global warming theory is fatally flawed. Their computer models of doom and gloom do not match reality, and reality is never wrong. But reality be damned, this isn't about truth. It's about legacy. and about being on the right side of history. The president needs another notch in his Wikipedia entry that will be lasting. Of course, as Jefferson pointed out, without two-thirds of the Senate, this deal can be undone. For the good of America, let's pray that it's undone quickly before the damage it will do to our nation becomes Obama's lasting legacy.